Father, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you've not left us to toil in this world without guidance, but you've given us your Holy Spirit to lead us, and you've given us your word in which you reveal yourself to us. We pray, Father, that as we come before your word this morning, you would speak to us. Lord, that as I speak, it wouldn't be me that is delivering the message, but you delivering the message through me. Father, I pray that whatever words come out of my mouth wouldn't be my own, for they would be just wasted. Pray, Lord, you would speak to each one of us, that we might be changed this morning that we might be made just that little bit more like our Saviour Jesus for that is what you wish us to be that is how you want us to be conformed and Lord in this place we trust in your word that says it's not our job and it's not our role but you will complete the work that you've started in each one of us We pray that this morning will be a small step in that work. Speak to us, we ask, as we seek your face this morning. Amen. So when I was, um, when I was thinking about what to speak about this morning, um, praying about it, I was kind of, you know, I was, we've had Christmas, haven't we? We've had Christmas for the last four weeks, so we've had nativity seen after after Christmas story, after angels appearing and shepherds and wise men, magi, whatever you want to call them, we've had all of that. And we've had non-stop kind of baby Jesus in a manger. But I thought it would be good to concentrate this morning. Just concentrate on our, our attention on Jesus that bit more. You know, and to, to really look at some clear and some powerful revelation about Jesus, the Son of God. And as I was saying, we know the Christmas story, don't we? We've heard it to death over the past four weeks or so. Jesus' coming to earth is the focus of Christmas. But today, I suppose, I want to remind us, and I read this this week, it was attributed, I think, to Billy Graham, but I don't know whether it was Billy Graham who said it or not, but in the bit that I read it was. I want to remind us not to leave Jesus in the manger. Because that wasn't his purpose. Yes, he came as a baby boy, born in Bethlehem. But ultimately, he came to die. He came to deal with our sin. He came to rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. And God, very God himself, chose to reveal himself to us through the life death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. So what I want us to think about this morning, I want us to concentrate on the fact that it's so much more, Jesus is so much more than a baby in a manger. So let's not fall into the trap of after Christmas time, leaving him there. I'm going to read, I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 1. And I'm going to read, I think, just let me get to it. 
I'm going to read the first four verses. But I'm probably not going to speak about all four verses, but I am going to read all four verses. The reason I'm going to read the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 1 is, in old language, it's one statement that all goes together. In our nice, neat Bibles, where we've got stuff broken up into chapters and verses with commas and full stops and all the rest of it, it's a few separate sentences. But in the original text, it's one statement. So I'm going to read the full statement, and then we're going to have a look at some of about what it means, probably just verses 1 and 2. But this is what it says. It says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Amen. That is an amazing piece of scripture. When you really look at that piece of scripture, and we can't do it justice in the small amount of time that I'm going to be speaking about it this morning. When you really look at that piece of scripture, that is amazing. It's unbelievable in many respects. And yet we believe it because it's written in God's word. It's the truth. We know it to be. It reveals so much about our Lord Jesus that I don't think if we studied that from now until the end of our lives, we would ever get to the bottom of that. There's so much in there. But I want to start with a question. And keep this question in mind as we're looking at it this morning. And the question is simply, do you want to hear God speak? Do you want to hear God speak? Have you ever said in like a moment of desperation, oh, please Lord, please God, please speak to me. Please tell me what you want me to do. Please reveal a bit more of yourself to me. Please don't remain silent. Please don't be away from me, not talking to me. We'll read that section again. And I'd encourage you, any time you feel like that, read that section of scripture again. It's easy to remember, Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, first four verses. Because what these two verses, the, the very first two verses teach, one and two, very loudly, very clearly, very plainly, they teach that God is not silent. God spoke and God speaks. These two verses teach that he spoke before the coming of Jesus into the world. And they teach that he speaks through Jesus in the world. It says that God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by His Son. I just want to pick three crucial things about that first bit, that first section. The first one, and this is massive, God spoke. God spoke. Think about that. It's two words, but think about that for a minute. God, the Almighty, the Creator of all things, who exists in heaven, who speaks things into life by His Word, who sustains all things from the beginning to the end, God spoke. And He spoke that we might hear. Us, little insignificant us, God spoke that we might hear. He wasn't silent. He does communicate. He wants to connect with us. He is not just an idea or a thought. He's a person to be listened to and to be understood and to be enjoyed and to be obeyed. He's a speaking person. There's no more important fact than this. There is a God who speaks that we might know Him and love Him and seek to be joyfully obedient to Him. God spoke. It then says that God spoke through the prophets. And what this means is that the the usual way or God's typical way of communicating particularly in Old Testament times, which is what we're looking at here in Hebrews. God spoke through people. Through people inspired by Him to give a message, to tell the people what God wanted them to hear. It wasn't His usual way to write messages in the sky so that people could see them, albeit He'd be very capable of it. It wasn't as usual to shout from the mountains. It wasn't as usual to whisper into the hearts of everyone. Although again, very, very capable and does do it. But his usual method of communication at this time that we're looking at was through people that he inspired. But I don't want you to miss the crux of what it says in this bit. It says that God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. But again, I'm coming back to what I said before. It says God spoke. Doesn't say the prophets spoke. Doesn't say the people spoke. It clearly says that God spoke. You see, when these ancestors heard and understood the prophets, they heard and understood that it was God speaking. That God was using chosen, inspired human instruments to speak. But nonetheless, it wasn't the person speaking, it was God. We're told clearly that God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. And then the third point I want to make just about this is that he spoke at many times and in many ways. Now, I don't know about you, 
But I get a lot of assurance from that. So much encouragement from that. That shows me, that gives me assurance that God is not withdrawn. That God is not uncommunicative. He does speak. And he speaks in many various ways. And he's spoken many times. I want you to think about this for a minute. If God had only spoken at one time, and in one way, we might have missed it. We might have misunderstood it. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says that he spoke at many times and in various ways. That's the way he's chosen to do it. So for an example, I'm going to give a practical example. God spoke through Leviticus. So we've got it recorded in the Bible as Leviticus. But if you didn't grasp what God was saying in Leviticus... He also spoke clearly in Proverbs. So God might speak clearly to you through Proverbs, but maybe not through Leviticus. And it's only, by the way, it's only the Holy Spirit and how he chooses to reveal himself to you. But if you don't get the point in Zechariah, then you might still be deeply moved by the message of Jonah. If you don't catch on to the visions in Ezekiel, you might understand the sufferings of Job. The point is this. God means to provide a lot of possibilities throughout Scripture where you can hear him speak. So I want to encourage you, if you do read a piece of Scripture and you don't feel God speaking to you through it, pray to him. Ask him to reveal himself to you through that piece of scripture. Or actually try another piece of scripture where God might want to reveal himself to you. But be encouraged that he speaks. That he spoke in various ways at many times through various people. He's not silent. But there's more. You see, Hebrews where we've just read from, tells us that God spoke in two phases. One before the coming of the Son of God. So one before Jesus, and then one through Jesus coming into the world. Verse 2. It says, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his Son. God's communication in Jesus is better and greater than before. And I'm not going to leave that statement there. I'm going to back that up because that's a, that's a big claim. God's communication in Jesus is better and greater than before. You see, if God seemed eager and ready to communicate himself through the prophets, how much more is he ready to communicate in the sending of his son? What God wants us to see is that this communication from him is greater and better than all those portions and all those ways in the days of old. Jesus was God's greatest gift gift to us.
Jesus was God's greatest form of communication with us. Go back to what I said at the beginning. Yes, he came. He was a baby in a manger. But his story is greater than that. Don't be suckered into the trap of leaving him in that manger at Christmas time. Let's look at the three ways that the speaking of God in the sun in these last days is better than God speaking of old. Can you remember when we did our Bible study on Hebrews? We did, and it's a couple of years ago now, I admit. But remember how it was all about the new in Jesus being better than the old. And I know that's putting, very, that's putting it very simply, but that's what it was about. That's what the writer of Hebrews was trying to show. The new in Jesus is greater than the old. So we read that God has now spoken, not just by prophets, but by his son. I want you to note that it doesn't say, and again, it's fairly obvious. Once I say it, it'll sound really obvious. But it doesn't say, formally, God spoke by prophets, and in these last days, yes. have said he's spoken by his apostles you can read the new testament from beginning to end you can see nine but he wasn't a mere prophet in that respect like me and you but he's the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being that's incredible that's incredible if that person walked through that door now that would be unbelievable that would be incredible amazing Jesus is the unique image of God's divine glory and bears the stamp of his divine nature. He's not a mere prophet. Don't ever let anyone tell you that he is. Don't ever fall into the trap of listening to that person that says Jesus is just a good person. 
whole point here is to show that Jesus is superior to the prophets. He is, as it says in Hebrews chapter 7, the eternally begotten Son, without beginning and without ending. In other words, God hasn't just spoken by inspiring prophets and apostles. He has spoken to us by coming to us in the person of his Son. Who Jesus was, what Jesus said, what Jesus accomplished by dying and rising from the dead is God's word to us. That's his word to us. John's gospel describes Jesus as the word in the beginning. The word was God and the word was with God. Jesus is God's word to us. This is what God has said and what we should hear. I want to say it again. He's more than just a baby in a manger at Christmas. Don't leave him there. So the first way that the speaking of God is better in subjection to him what does it mean for a spokesman for God who has everything under his complete control and ownership of all things it means you can trust what he says it means that he's in a position where he has the authority to make good on anything that he says you see if Jesus says blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth then he can make good on that promise because he owns the earth, or he will own the earth, and he will have it under his control. If Jesus says that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, then it's true. And it's true because he can make good on that promise. Because he will own all of creation and have it all under his control. If he says... Actually, coincidentally, we read from Revelation 21 before. If he says, there shall no longer be death or mourning or crying or pain anymore, he can make good on that promise. Because he owns life and death and rules over all that causes pain and crying. And when we listen to Jesus, it's different from listening to a mere prophet. Because a mere prophet hasn't got control of all those things. Jesus has. You see, God 
will honour the words of the prophets. God will make good on what those prophets said. Because it was a message from God through the prophets and God will make good on it. But Jesus is going to make good on his own word. Jesus has the authority to make good on his own word. He's not like a prophet. He doesn't have to have God make it good for him. He is God. Look at this. The first and the primary statement that the, the Son is the heir of all things is followed by the statement that through him God made the universe. This means lots of things, but it means at least two. It means that Jesus the Son existed before the earth came into being. It also means that Jesus the Son already owned the universe by virtue of creating it with the Father. So when we read that through him God made the universe, we know that he already existed before the universe did. And we know that in Jesus creating the universe with the Father, that he already owned it. It was his. And then in verse 3, it says he upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus is, is as, we, as we live and breathe and sit here, Jesus is ensuring that all that we see around us is sustained, that it's kept up. And as soon as he chooses for it not to be sustained, it won't be. And yet we know that everything that Jesus the Son does is in line with what God the Father wants. The two are working in tandem along with the Holy Spirit. So how his, when, it, when we read it, how is he appointed? Uh, what does that mean? He created everything. He upholds everything. How then is he appointed heir of all? I think actually the answer to this one is quite difficult. But the easiest way I can think of it is that for now, much of his creation is in rebellion against him. And God has ordained that. And because of the Son's faithfulness, because of Jesus' faithfulness, obedience, and death, you know, his death, his resurrection, the fact that he lived his life in perfect and total obedience to God the Father these enemies that are currently in rebellion against him will be subdued. And we read in the word that all creation will bow down and acknowledge that they are ruled and owned by Jesus Christ. There is a point in time when that will be. Hebrews 10 verses 12 and 13 say this. Having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, Christ sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. In other words, Jesus took his seat as the active ruling heir of all things by virtue of his death and resurrection and ascension. And he not only has the right to be heir of all things because he made all things, 
but also because he defeated his enemies and purchased us, a lost people, from sin through his death. Now I appreciate there's loads in there and a lot to think about. But know this. All things, all things will ultimately belong to Jesus. He created all. He sustains all. All things he will have authority over. So we have double reason to listen to a son of God who is the heir of all things. He can make good on his word because he is God. He is the creator. He is the triumphant heir over all evil and misery. This is a better word. This is a better word than anything the prophets ever spoke. The prophets spoke about Jesus and pointed to Jesus. But this is better. Jesus himself coming and doing these things and being God on earth and acting in the way that he acted in perfect obedience to God the Father, living it so that people could see it, dying, rising, ascending to heaven, seated himself at the right hand of the Father, waiting. And when you think of it in that way, Jesus versus the prophets, Jesus wins every time. The last thing I want to say this morning is that the Word of God is earthly perspective. that remain are the last days of the war so it is since Jesus came in his death and resurrection and ascension into heaven Jesus has won the decisive battle it's done he's won the decisive battle 
really exhausted all the way Everything that we know about Jesus, apart from what is revealed to us by God through his Holy Spirit, is in here. And I've just mentioned the Holy Spirit. What about the ministry of the Holy Spirit today? I haven't said much about it, but in a word, it is the passion of the Holy Spirit to focus all of our attention and all of our affection on the final and decisive word spoken by God through Jesus. The Holy Spirit's role is to point us to him. That's his great work. And actually the aim of all the gifts associated with the Holy Spirit. All about pointing us to Jesus. So God has revealed himself to us in many ways. perfect and obedient life that we could never live, that you died for our sake, that you conquered death by rising again. Lord, that sin no
asking me.